Welcome to Safe Inside. These are conversations about school safety. Uh, my name is Dr. Steve McKinney, and I'm here with Pronsi Robertson. We work with the company Inside and provide school safety solutions to schools all through Alabama, but also throughout the Southeast. We're going to talk about various things today, but the primary focus is going to be on a very timely topic, specifically around the coronavirus and, and preparation for what the schools need to do, take some things into consideration. One of the things I think that we're going to try to kind of communicate is w- just like with other issues that the schools face in the context of emergency operations and emergency operations planning, one of the keys to this is understanding that we are combating fear. Our responsibility in schools and as members of our communities even are to work to be as prepared as possible in order to combat fear. And so part of what we do is the process of preparation that we go through. We talk to everybody about the idea that the way you combat this fear that builds around topics like school shootings and the way you combat the fear around things like an outbreak of a virus is you prepare And you do that preparing through the planning process, and then you practice and execute your plan. There's one additional element to that process as well, and and that's one of the things that's going to be very critical to this conversation, and that is communication. So as a school official looks at what they've prepared for, they need to take into consideration that they are combating fear in the community at large. And how do they do that? Well, we want to instill a sense of confidence in our students. We want to instill a sense of confidence in our teachers and in our parents. And the way that we do that is we communicate our preparedness. So we're going to go through this, uh, this, this topic today. We're going to look at what the CDC has released in guidance specifically for our schools. We'll talk about some resources that are available to our schools. And uh, at the conclusion of this podcast, we'll, when we release this episode, we'll also distribute links on our website for all the materials that we talk about today. But um, without further ado on that, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start of going through the document that the CDC has released as guidance. And, and Pronsi and I'll just talk about our perspectives on it. I come at this after years of working with schools in emergency planning. And of course, Pronsi comes at it from law enforcement and as a, a school resource officer and all of the perspectives that he's engaged with schools. So we're not public health officials. Don't want to make any indication that we are um, not in any way. We're not doctors, nor do we play one on TV. So (laughs) the thing that we have here is we do have an understanding of a planning process, and we've done this for years. And this is going to be a critical component of what schools do is we need to plan and we need to communicate. So without anything else on that, I'll, I'll kind of step through this, Pronsi, just to kind of jump in here and talk 
as is you you see things that 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 are important that you want to emphasize and help people understand. Mm-hmm. The guidance document that we're covering is specifically from the CDC. They've released a couple of versions of this now, and it is an evolving document. But specifically, the title, and and again, we'll provide a link. But the title is "Guidance for Schools Which Do Not Have a Coronavirus Identified in Their Community." And then it transitions into guidance for schools with identified cases of coronavirus in their community. So if you uh, want to look this up or, or follow along, you can, you can definitely do that as well. Um, the first thing in this, this process, and again, we're talking about the, fo- the before. So we have our before, during, and after that we engage in the, in the process of developing uh, EOPs, executing EOPs, and recovering from events. So our first step is to look at our EOPs. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, just like with any other emergency that we might have to deal with and the preparing and the writing of the plan thereof, it's real easy sometimes, especially for school administrators, to feel like they're in, uh, they're on an island alone. And you mentioned it already, but I think it's important to emphasize that with any of the planning that we need to do, whether we're talking about active shooter or fire response, and in the case here, really thinking about disease control and or uh, the worst case, you know, getting to a pandemic level, is to remember that you're not here alone. You mentioned we're not doctors, we're not, uh, you know, medical experts from that aspect, but everybody brings a piece to the table when we start talking about our communities and response to these type major events. And I don't think we can emphasize enough how important it is to keep in mind you're not on an island alone. You need to reach out to your local EMA, to your local health department in, in the, under these circumstances we're talking about, and get their guidance. Uh, they're going to have specific input for you that is very relevant to your specific community as well uh, about the resources that they have available to them. Sometimes if you're not careful, you can go and pull down um, a plan, if you will, a generic outline, which is meant to be to get you started from CDC or um, Homeland Security, for instance, one of those major federal entities that we're talking about. But those might might not necessarily work for your community or Mm -hmm. your school. Yeah. And so you need to take that as a basic outline, but remember to build those partnerships. Reach out to your local EMA, your local police departments, your fire and medical responders, and those health department officials to see what is available in your area and start building your plan locally. Yeah, And I think that that's critical. Obviously, in our uh, platform the inside, we do everything that we can to give you the f- flexibility to do that. Yeah to build it out for you. And so I want to really encourage you not to try to build this plan on your own. And so hopefully everybody, to some extent, has thought about this. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not something, obviously, that comes up every day. They've had uh, this threat of active shooter. Seems to be, you know, our media friends and so forth are making sure we pay attention or keeping that on our minds the last few years. But this pandemic may not be something that's uh, even your students, your staff, and the community is as familiar with. But I guarantee you there's somebody there locally that's been thinking about it. 
Yeah. And just kind of thinking through, you know, again, coming back to like what you're saying is is understanding those planning resources and, and being, you know, cooperative and collaborative with with some of the folks in your community. The reason that in the EOP process, one of the first things you do or you should do is determine your school safety planning committee, right? Mm -hmm. And that applies for this type of planning or any other emergency planning. One of the things that we try to get people to understand is, is to pull together these diverse resources. Well, I think this probably is going to, if, if, if folks haven't thought about it already, this is going to expose some holes in plans. Do you have a local health department uh, official on your school planning committee? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something to take into consideration. The, the more typical influence or, or the more typical event for us is every year, this time of year, is flu season. And, you know, most of the activities that we talk about and as we go through these documents, they are the same as, as planning for a, a flu outbreak. Your responses and how you deal with it is, is largely the same. There may be some, some unique aspects to this uh, that are a little more severe. But in general, uh, especially before any cases are identified, it's, it's the same thing. That's right. So it's really just a matter of taking those everyday school policies and procedures and practices that you hopefully are encouraging already mm -hmm. about uh, wiping down those door handles, just simple things. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're, and you're, all of your staff's involved in this, again, not just uh, those teachers as staff, but your custodians. Yes. Your folks in the cafeteria are a huge, huge yeah. part of this. And so... Um, it's involving them, knowing what those policies and practices are, and it becoming, you know, we mentioned this lots of times, it becoming part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And this time of the year, it's just something we uh, should be thinking about and starting to move and act upon as part of our daily routine. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, even in the CDC documents here, one of the things that they emphasize is, you know, building on everyday school policies and practices, right? You're doing a lot of these things already. All we want to do is, you know, this is the time to review them mm -hmm. and make sure that they are, number one, in existence, but number two, if they are in existence, that they're relevant. And, and another thing that they talk immediately about is emphasizing common sense preventative actions. Yes. Common sense being the key word there. So... Then it goes right into what you were saying with communications. Yes. If you have those policies and those procedures and everyday, if you will, common sense practices, are they posted well enough? Are they communicated well enough for it to become part of the everyday culture? And, you know, there are some sources out there, even if you don't have those relatively available. And, and since we're more concerned about this right now, you know, CDC have some uh, workshop materials that you can download offline, or such as posters that give you messaging uh, about exactly things that the people want to think about. Everything from those hand washing techniques, to things you need to wipe down, to just even thinking about when you have these particular symptoms, stay at home. Yeah. And communicating that to folks becomes the first real step. Uh, and that, you know, we talked about the fear in each of these things, regardless of what emergency response we're talking about you have the better the better and the more knowledge 
that people have about your plan, what the strategies and those policies are, the less likely you are to have some sort of panic about it or have really getting concerned. Mm-hmm. And because when do you get concerned? It's when when you get start getting those calls where people are saying, hey, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. I've not heard y'all say anything about this. Well, that tells me you're not communicating. You may have a written plan somewhere. You may have communicated with it in your school safety planning committee, but are you guys communicating that out to your staff? Every staff. Yeah. Every student. Yes. And the parents. So we've got to do a good job of communicating what those emergency plans are to build confidence that there is a plan and that we are prepared and are executing if necessary. And, and for some of those resources, there's there's a lot out there, but uh, the two major ones that we would reference everyone to, of course, is going to be the CDC, but also the REMS department at the uh, Department of Education. So REMS is the Readiness Emergency Management for School Technical Assistance Center. They have a lot of material that they've coordinated with the CDC on now and is available for, like Proxy was referring to, videos for you know distribution on, on social media or on your website printed materials to put up, signs, other things like that. So a lot of these materials are already out there. It's just a matter of making sure that you are taking the actions to communicate that that you are as prepared as you can be. Another uh, excellent source is the um, that the CDC references himself is the American Academy of Pediatrics. Yes. Now, why would they be important? They're used to dealing with those small children, with adolescents, with the concerns specific to them. And in the school setting, obviously, that's one of the most critical places for exchange of these type influenza uh, type, Z, whether it's either by touch or even if it gets to the point we're talking about something airborne one yeah. day. Yeah. Then they have some specific guidelines about information on germ prevention strategies, as well as including... Um, the spread of illness among children mm-hmm. in children's settings specifically. So I'd really encourage you to take a look at them for references. Again, that's American Academy of Pediatrics. Yeah, yeah, they, they've done a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting uh, for you in in regards to communicating these policies and 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 best practices effectively. Um, one of the things that is also brought out and and referenced by the uh, CDC is the development of information sharing systems with partners. Well, I'm, I'm obviously a little biased on that one, but I think I, I know of a good platform to, to help facilitate some of the distribution of materials and information. But one of the things that, uh, that you can do is ensure that you're communicating things like absenteeism, day-to-day reporting, that you do have some mechanism of sharing that with your local public health officials mm-hmm. and coordinating closely with them because that not only provides them a data source to understand if there is concern for outbreak in an area, but it also gives them the insight into your operations and your situation enough that they can provide good guidance. Sure. And, uh, you know, back to your pre-planning you can even set some pre, if you will, some triggers about when we get to this number of absenteeisms among staff or students, we shift a little bit, maybe in what we're starting to do, right? Because yeah. we see that it's very likely that we're spreading it here locally. So we may pick up the pace on those cleaning 
those yeah. basic strategies there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we may start a, a rotation of students going washing their hands, for Absolutely. goodness sakes. Yeah. But so just some different things that you could build in your plan with triggers mm-hmm. if you're tracking and looking for those triggers and absenteeisms in any place where we've got a congreg- you know, we're congregating like schools, churches, so forth, are critical yeah. in us being able to identify when there is an issue. Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that comes back out of all of these documents is uh, it, clear advice on making sure that as you collect this information, that you share it with the, the folks that can help you the most. Schools have a million things to be responsible for. And, and some of these decisions, especially the idea of the potential school closure for any period of time, is a very difficult decision. And so don't do that alone. Involve your local public uh, health officials in, in those kind of considerations. And the determination, possibly, of what those trigger levels might need to be. That's the conversation to have with them. It's very important that uh, when you do start having... Um you know, but set policies and procedures when there seems to be an increase in influenza or some type uh, incident like that, that you, you want to review your attendance policies mm-hmm. during that time and really take a look at you. You want to encourage students and staff to stay at home. Yes. Uh, yes. Rather than to be at that. And that's a different way of thinking, you know, because we're trying to meet, uh, you know, a big part of your school grades, even in their, in Alabama, for instance, for our, is our attendance. Yes. It matters where your school ranks at the end of the year with a lot of statistics, yeah. stats, yeah. and rankings on those schools. Yeah. But we need to be careful about that. Let's not, you know, there is opportunities through the department to ask for waivers. Yes. When you have uh, an excessive number of absentees and you had rather slow down that spread of disease or virus than you had to encourage people to come and be counterproductive to that effort, uh, just simply because we're trying to keep those school numbers up. So let's really think about that. Take a close look at it in your planning. That's why I say we get to a certain, and you can set trigger levels again. When we get to this, we're going to ask for a waiver. Yes, and, and and that is a critical component of that planning process. Is like, is understanding you know what might be those target numbers, and and again you know involving the right people in that conversation, and making sure that you you do as much as you can in this planning process before it occurs, with the hope that it doesn't occur. But if you do have that in place, you can say, okay, Department of Education. This is the reality of our situation. We need your assistance. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you have to immediately start thinking about if we're going to have multiple absentees, if we get to that situation, are we developing strategies to continue our education of our students? Yes. That's the goal of our school. And so if you're going to seek those waivers, I assure you, somebody's going to ask the question, well, what are you doing to continue their education? You can't just send them home and forget that. So we're thinking about, you know, examples, you know, your web-based instruction, Mm -hmm. uh, email to those students. Can we communicate with them? And this is going to be more difficult in some areas than others. Mm -hmm. And some of them are going to take a lot more of that pre-planning and strategy than others would. Um, It's going to be hard to set those things up if you haven't thought about them ahead of time. Yeah. And, and, it breaks down into a lot of things as we start to talk about this and discuss it and think about the the practical implementation that would what it would take to actually do some online training shifting 
from our, our traditional brick and mortar in the school to online and what that what that requires. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me, of course, is technical support, which may be substantially limited for most of the schools. Uh, you know, they may have a few tech folks that, that support their teachers and, and work on things. But when you're talking about this kind of scale, mm-hmm. that that's a big deal. So the only way that you can address that is is by thinking about it in advance and trying to have some of these processes in place beforehand. And, and you know, then, then CDC talks again about, you know, just performing r- routine cleaning. There's, uh, there's things that we do that, uh, that, that we can uh, address and, and enhance surfaces that are touched a lot. One of the key things with flu and with this uh, particular virus is, is it, it is largely communicated or, or communicable, transmissed by touch. And so if you have surfaces that are touched a lot, doorknobs, light switches, countertops, you know, all of keyboards. these different keyboards, yeah, desk, remote controls, um, all of these things that we just handle and, and pass back and forth between us and things of that nature. Well, those are the things that, that definitely need to be wiped down frequently. And uh, fortunately, flu and this, um, they're not terribly resistant. All the, all the research says, you know, just normal cleaners, disinfectants will wipe them out. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there's, no kind of, uh, there's no kind of reason not to do this uh, and, and try to increase that frequency. And then um, one of the last things they kind of talk about in the before stage, and we're still really just in that before stage, all the planning process, mm-hmm. is creating communication plans for use with your school community. I don't think we can emphasize the planning side yeah, of this yeah. too much yeah. because there are so many things that's hard to do once the cat's out the back, so mm-hmm. to speak. Right? Yeah. Uh, you have got to do some planning before these things happen or you're going to be in trouble. You know, we on the pre-planning side, even think about the normal services such as uh, the meals mm-hmm. and social services that yes. we provide to students with our schools. Um, so a lot of those children will lie upon those lunch um, services that they get there at the school or maybe a after school, a backpack program that they're sending some after school uh, nutrition home to the yeah. kids. Yeah. Those type programs, do you have a plan in place to continue those if you have a, a mass um, absentee situation or eventually we get to the point that we consider closing a school? Yeah. Um, those students, their parents still depend on those resources. And unless we have a plan in place uh, prior to an event like this, it's going to be very difficult. Even uh, just think of the, the difficulty with immediately trying to find volunteers yes. for something like that after you've already got to talking about we're closing school because of uh, uh, something like influenza or this coronavirus. Yeah. It'll be very difficult. Very difficult. So we have to already line those things up through those outside partners that we're talking about, whether it be um, local uh, community social services or health department. Uh, They have some resources, you know, Red Cross and so forth. They can make those links. But we have to pre-plan for those things and then be ready to initiate that plan when it comes time to act. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, just in my recent experience has been very... um, it's been very eye-opening. I, I did not realize 
the function that, for instance, the United Way plays in some of those activities, right? United Way is really influential in coordinating mm-hmm. volunteers. They, they work with a lot of different organizations. But again, if you don't have a relationship up front and in advance, they can't help you with the coordination of some of those activities. And it's going to drastically slow it down. Yes. You know, that's the kind of um, uh, repercussion that we had uh, way back when we were talking about Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's lots of things that could have been done, but not unless you've done the pre-planning for yeah. it. You know, they could say, why didn't we move these people? Or why didn't we provide these? But why didn't we evacuate? Because there was no plan set up to yeah. do that before the storm came. And, and you know, even seven to ten days out, too close. Yeah, uh, These are things that need to be done literally years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Build these relationships and have the opportunity even to exercise and practice them, just like we do with fire drills sure. and lockdown drills. Yeah. Is, I know, I, I can't. I can't remember the last time I heard a school say we were doing a pandemic drill. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. Uh, but but it's something that we really do need to consider the the possibilities. And if nothing else, tabletop type exercise yes. where we talk about these issues we're bringing up today. Mm-hmm. Could we do this? Yeah. And how could we do that? Uh, and just starting to line up those things so that the resources are there, the contacts are there, and you can put that plan into action when we need to. Uh, as we're coming up on. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, this all kind of does come back to, again, um, old adage is it's, it's better to be proactive than it is to be reactive. And I'd even go one further. It's better to be proactive so you can be reactive. And, and that's one of the things that we attempt to emphasize in all of our training, whether it's technical training or whether it's actual facilitation and development of plans. Um, you know, communication is critical in all aspects of this. So we go through a lot of these different things and we talk about it. And really what it's about is helping our schools and folks identify these issues so that they can develop the appropriate plans that fit their situation. Um, and, and, and that always comes back to um, one of the resources that we're going to refer everyone to on this. Uh, was was a little checklist that came out, and, and actually it came out in 2017. But it is a good exercise to help you step through and think about this process. It is uh, very simple and straightforward. Um, the pandemic flu checklist, K-12 through school administrators distributed by the CDC. And what it does is it breaks everything down like Pronti and I have been basically talking about before a pandemic you plan during a pandemic you take action and after a pandemic you follow up and it gives you just these three different categories of of items that you need to talk about and prepare for Mm -hmm. a very simple one-page document that uh, i think could be extremely helpful where we're going to make sure that that's included in our resources as we distribute that for the uh the podcast but um, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we've covered today, materials that we've covered today, and, and we could get a little deeper into them. Maybe there is some follow-up to this. Might be a good idea for us to even talk about having a, a local uh, public health official, you know, join us for an interview. And Absolutely. Talk through some of those That'd things. That would be great. And, yeah. you know, and again, this, even this checklist now says pandemic flu checklist. Yeah. And so some people, oh, you're not having a pandemic. Each year, even though. As the flu season comes around, as you start your school season, 
this is an excellent little checklist just to go through, get your mind working about do we have some of these things in place if we start having any sort of um, outbreak, if you will. It, it could be you know, lots of different things. Absolutely. Uh, flu is what we think of the most common. Uh, but just the simple flu, you know, um, can do some serious damage mm -hmm. in an elementary school, a middle school, high school. Yes. And so, uh, and even among your staff can, you know, cause us tremendous issues. And so each of these things on here are just an excellent way to take a look at, are we prepared? Are we thinking about some things that's not on our mind every day? Could we execute these things if it happens? Mm -hmm. And then even after that, school years to look back. Hey, we had this happen at one of our schools. We had to close for three days. What could we do better? Yes. Yeah. And and I think that that's one of the things when I when I initially got this checklist, started looking through it, I, that was one of the things that really caught my attention. Um, we talk about this iterative process all the time. You and I do. We we've we go through and 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 help, you know, try to help folks understand that the practice that we encourage so you do the planning, you do the prepare, or you do the preparing, the planning, and the practice. The practice is to help you continually get better, but it involves understanding what you did wrong, That's right. identifying those problems, capturing that, and evaluating it, and making sure that you try to do better next time. One of the things the little checklist gives us is it actually incorporates some of that mm -hmm. into your actual response, right? Afterwards, it's not, it's not about learning that you know that check you know, to, to be critical. Yeah, sure. Of anybody either. Yeah, we're in a learning process, mm -hmm. and to to learn, we have to be able to openly look at where we where we're at, what we did, and then adjust to that. Yeah. Um, be honest about the absolutely. the short points. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Uh, oh, that's something we didn't think about. Mm -hmm. But it didn't mean somebody did something wrong. Sure. It just means that it it brought to our light brought to light something that we do need to focus on a little better. Uh, assign if we need to a team or somebody to and let's get it done so yep. we're prepared next time that's it well i think that'll cover us for today um i hope that this was a a good episode it, it brought to light some possibilities some things that uh, you can do to help your school be a little more prepared um we will again distribute all of these resources online resources make sure that the links are available and we really encourage you to contact us here at Inside. If you have any questions, um, we will put you in touch with your local public health officials if any way possible. We will put you in touch with your local law enforcement, uh, your local EMAs. We'll help you coordinate. We'll help you share your plans. We'll help all of those aspects. I think it's very important. Lastly, I just want to emphasize that uh, many of you out there have a, a great plan. And um, you're now preparing, you've done the things that you needed to do, and you're ready to execute that plan if necessary. Maybe some, in some cases they already are. But I, I don't think we can emphasize enough how important it is to communicate that to your staff, the students, their parents, to the community, mm -hmm. that what is happening. Yeah. Um, most of the fear that we may see out there is from the, the unknown. Yes. So let's and we can defeat that or with education. Yes. I mean, that's what educators do, right? Yeah, that's it. So you got a plan. Let's educate everyone on what that plan is. Not a secret. Yes. If you try to keep it a secret, you're going to create 
more issues for yourself than than the <laughs> than the benefits you think you get by holding it back. Yeah. So just put it out there. Yes. Here's what's going on. Here's our best practices. Here's what we're going to do if these things happen so that people can stay on the same page with you and feel comfortable and build confidence yes. in their school system that they are taking the proper measures necessary. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, please stay tuned for new episodes coming up. We're trying to get on a little tighter schedule, get these out uh, on a regular basis, and uh, we will distribute all these materials. Have a great day. Thank you from Safe Inside. Thank you for listening to Safe Inside, a production of Inside Incorporated, the school safety platform.